0: morning, once again, church. It's good to see Roy. Welcome back. Uh, Don, on the drums. Susan, it's good to have you guys back. I think there was a, a late sighting as well, late Fred and Wendy. It's good to have you with us. Uh, there's a lot of uh, familiar faces out there today. All right, we're going to wrap up John chapter 1 today. Two weeks ago, we saw that it's in God's very nature to make himself known. It's part of who he is. It's what he does. And because of that, God is not hiding. He's always revealing himself. He does so through his creation. He does so through his body, the church, and through his word, the Holy Scriptures, And last week, we saw how John the Witness, commonly known as John the Baptist, joined in God's very mission by proclaiming him to others. He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this week, we'll see this theme progress one step further. John's gospel, it emphasizes these themes of light and of of seeing, And in verses 35 to 51, which we're going to look at this morning, this will become very clear in the repeated invitation to come and to see. But what does John mean by come and see? There's at least three things here that we can draw out of this invitation to come and see, and we're going to discover them together in the text So go ahead, I invite you now to grab your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1, starting in verse 35, we'll read through 51. If you don't have a Bible, you can use one of our pew Bibles, Uh, and if you don't own a Bible, you're welcome to take that one with you, it's our gift to you, and you'll find today's passage on page 1054 if you're using a pew Bible. So go ahead and stand if you're able, and follow along with me as I read. The next day John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher where are you staying? He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said, said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. It is indeed our highest authority and uh, our great delight to come and spend time with you and your word. We need your help be the help of your spirit. May the spirit be our teacher. Holy Spirit, open our eyes. Help us to see as we come to your word this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, three things that come and see means. First is come and think. The first time we encounter, come and see, is after two of John's disciples decide to follow Jesus. And Jesus asks them, what are you seeking? Now, John the Baptist just told these two that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And so naturally, they're curious. We're not told that they made any kind of commitment to him. They probably wanted to see if this was true. They wanted to kick the tires a little bit. This is the Lamb of God. Let's let's find out more. So they respond with a question of their own. Where are you staying? Meaning, we want to spend some time with you, Jesus. We'd like to observe what you're like. We'd like to hear your teaching. We want to know more. We want to think about this. Now notice that Jesus doesn't immediately just lay out the apostles' creed for these two men and demand belief and obedience on the spot. No, he says, come and see. Come and watch me. Come and get to know me. Come and see what I do and how I live and what I speak, what I say. Come and see. Come and think. And the next time we see the invitation to come and see. Philip is telling Nathaniel about Jesus and Philip responds, or Nathaniel responds skeptically in verse 46. And it's a valid question. It's a valid question. And Philip doesn't say, how dare you question the Messiah? Get in line or go home. No, he says, let's go find out. Let's study it. Let's learn the answer to that question. Now, Nathaniel's question is, not the question of a modern day skeptic. If you were to tell someone about Jesus today, I doubt you would get that response. You know, can anything good come from Nazareth? That'd be interesting if it did. But no, the modern day skeptic. Someone today might say, "If there's an all-powerful, all-loving God, then why is there so much pain and suffering in the world?" That's a more likely question that we're able to, that we'd get, right? and these are the types of questions that let's be be honest they cripple many of us or just the thought of being asked a question like that that you don't know the answer to it keeps you on the sidelines it keeps you from talking about Jesus but all you have to do is be a modern day Philip and say hey that's a great question let's look into that let's let's come and see let's Let's think. Let's come and think about this. Many skeptics accuse Christianity of demanding blind faith where you need to check your brain at the door. Well, that's not what Jesus' Christianity is all about. He invites us to come. He invites us to think. But how do we do this? How do we come and see and, and think today? Well, first you... You do so in the way that all the the disciples did. You get to know Jesus. He's not here for us to walk with and go see where he's staying today. No, instead we have eyewitness accounts. We have the very accounts of those who did spend time with him. But wait a minute, someone might say, you can't trust the Bible Those stories about Jesus have been so embellished over time, it's impossible to really know what's true or not in there. How can you trust the Bible or the Gospels? Some will even claim that the Gospels represent nothing more than ancient legends or myths. But do you know how we can tell that the Gospels are not legends or myths? It's actually pretty easy. The, uh, the evidence is right here in the details. And there are many, many examples of this. But there's one right here in our text. Look with me at verse 39. It's just something you read over and don't even think about. But it says, So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour, which is four o'clock. Now, any scholar of literature will tell you that Ancient fiction never includes details like this. And only fiction, the only fiction that does have detail like that is modern fiction. So if the Gospels are fiction, then you'd have to believe that someone in the second century suddenly began writing using modern, realistic narrative fiction centuries before anyone else would do it. You would have to come to that conclusion. Or else you'd have to believe that some first century Jews who had been trained their entire lives to believe that God could never be a man made this whole thing up with such elaborate detail and circulated these deliberate lies. And then they go on to live such powerfully attractive lives that the entire Roman world is turned upside down. And then when faced with execution for their lies, they knowingly died for them. If they were lying, they had everything to lose and nothing, absolutely nothing to gain from their lies. But they willingly died rather than recount their testimony. So the only other intellectually credible option here is that the gospel writers were telling the truth about what they actually saw. Either way, it requires a great deal of faith, even if you're a skeptic. Because you have to believe some pretty outlandish things if this isn't an eyewitness testimony. And that's the only explanation that makes sense of the rich details of the accounts we find in the Gospels in the New Testament. There's no middle ground. You can't say with any intellectual integrity that Jesus was just a good man. He was a, just a good teacher. It, it leaves no room for that. Either these are fraudulent lies or they're actual eyewitness accounts. There's nothing in the middle can't arrive at another conclusion so this is how you come and think you immerse yourselves in the eyewitness accounts of the gospels and this is the invitation we put out to you recently with our christianity explored class it's designed for this class meets at 9 30 on sunday mornings before our service and it takes you through mark's gospel and examines the message of Christianity. It's an invitation to come and think, to come and explore. It's an invitation to ask whatever questions you might have about Christianity and not be judged for it or condemned. We're in the middle of the course right now, but we're going to be offering another cycle uh, soon, so keep that in mind. If you're someone here who needs to think about this, that course is for you. Now the second thing that come and see means, it means to come together. Come together. This is so cool. Check this out. In our text today, John the Baptist leads Andrew and another disciple to Jesus. And then Andrew leads his brother Peter to Jesus. And later, Philip leads Nathaniel to Jesus. You catch the theme here? People leading other people to Jesus. And remember what Philip says to Nathaniel. He invites him to come and see. This is an invitation to come with me. Come with me and let's find out together. Let's do this together. Now there's always exceptions, but the normal way that so many people find Jesus is through a friend. I'm just curious by a show of hands. How many of you, it was because of a friend or a family member that you're in Christ today, that you've put your trust in Christ. Yeah, there's so many hands up. It's incredible. So that's that's the normal way that this is going to happen. It's not going to be, you know, through an event necessarily or uh, some big spectacle. Although, like I said, there are exceptions. But the normal way we see this happening is through friends. People find Jesus because they were found by a friend who already found Jesus. So one of the best ways to invite someone to come and see is to invite them to come and see Jesus with you. But where is Jesus today so that we can know where to bring him? He's most clearly revealed, like we said earlier, by the eyewitness testimonies in the New Testament. It's actually quite genius how John the writer uses this phrase, come and see. He uses it not just in the purely narrative sense, in the fact that he's telling a story, we're giving a an account but also in a way that is inviting his reader to come and see to come and see and as the reader progresses through John's gospel they will see they will see what Jesus does how he lives what his works are how he teaches what he teaches they will see and as we work through John's gospel My hope is that you'll see this too. You'll see for yourself that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In fact, your sin. He takes away your sin. Now one thing I want to encourage every one of you to do is to pray about one friend that you could invite to the next cycle of Christianity Explored. You might think, been there, done that. Maybe you, you're in the course now and you're thinking, why would I do it again? I just did that. Think outside yourself. Think about someone you need to direct and point to Jesus. Maybe you already did take the class, but think about someone, a neighbor, a friend, a family member who you could say, hey, there's this really cool class at our church and I, I'm thinking about doing it. I would love to see if you'd like to do it with me. Invite someone to do it with you, to come and see Jesus with you. Because your friend is way more likely to come if they know that you'll be coming with them. And you know what? Go the, go the extra step. Offer to pick him up. Or to meet him in the parking lot. Say, hey, we'll walk in together. And I know that sounds silly, but for many who've never set foot inside a church before, this can be intimidating to walk in to the front doors by yourself. Let your friend see Jesus with you. Another way you can bring people to see Jesus is is by inviting them just to our weekly Sunday gatherings. Jesus does call us his body. We are the body of Christ. Let your friend meet Jesus through his body, the church, and see how we love and care for one another. Let them see the gospel lived out among Christ's people. Let them hear Christ's people singing rich gospel truths. And you have my commitment as your pastor that on any given Sunday that you may happen to have a friend with you, that they will hear the gospel here at Fishkill Baptist Church. Or maybe your friend isn't ready to commit to coming on a Sunday. Here's an idea. Try bringing the church to them. What do I mean by that? Try inviting some of your friends over in the summer, you know, for a barbecue. And invite a neighbor over, too. And let them just interact with other members of the body of Christ. If they have kids, invite them to come swim in your pool and invite some church kids over. You know, whatever. But let them be around people who've already found Jesus. Jesus. If you want to be a good friend who points others to Jesus, there's three more things in our text that can help you help others find Jesus. As you invite people to come and see, the first thing is be patient. Be patient. Notice how John the Baptist first proclaims Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world a day earlier in verse 29. But we're not told of anyone who immediately followed after that proclamation got to have patience. It wasn't until the next day, John repeats himself again, saying, behold the Lamb of God. And then we're told even then that only two, two people. You might be thinking, that's it? Two? Jesus had, John had multitudes following him. Why didn't the multitudes go and follow Jesus? Only two. The point is this, who knows How many times you're going to have to say to someone, look, look at Jesus, come and see, before anyone will actually decide to follow him. We've got to have patience. You've got to have patience. The second, we've got to have courage. I think that what happens to Philip is probably the worst nightmare for for many of you. We've talked about this already, but uh, again, getting that question from a skeptic terrifies many of us. Philip gets asked a good question, a tough question. And it's a good question, too. The Messiah was not prophesied to come from Nazareth, but from Bethlehem. But neither Philip nor Nathaniel were aware of the fact that while Jesus did grow up in Nazareth, he was actually born in Bethlehem. So it takes a little bit of studying. It takes a little bit of investigation to find this out. People today also have really good questions that are worth asking. How do you get good at answering questions? You practice. You practice by having some actual real-life conversations. Imagine that. Actually talking to people. And you will probably flounder, uh, and maybe more than a bit, but that's, that's how you get better. It's by practicing. And if you put yourself out there, then, or if you don't put yourself out there, you just won't get that valuable practice. When the weather gets nice again, uh, I used to do this with the teens, but I'd love to take some of you out to a park, to a college campus, and just have some practice, having conversations. We're not going to go out there with a megaphone and tell people to repent. We're going to try to have conversations that invite people to come and see and have some conversations with people and get used to talking with people about Jesus. If you want to grow in this area, you've got to be willing. You've got to have courage you got to put yourself out there. You've got to practice. You've got to talk to people. So be patient. Have courage. Third thing is show confident humility. Look what Peter does, or Philip rather. Look what he does. When he gets a question, he doesn't know how to answer. How does he, what does he do? He doesn't make something up that sounds nice or right. He doesn't scold Nathaniel for asking questions and demand blind faith he first exercises humility he dignifies Nathaniel's question by not shooting it down or dismissing it one of the best things you can do with a person in a conversation if they bring up some sort of objection is is to dignify that and say wow that's a great question I'm glad you asked that and you know what I'm not not sure how to answer that but I'm going to find out would you like to come with me we'll find out together I'm sure there's a great answer for that Let's find out together, so dignifying their question, and then he has confidence to invite Nathaniel to come and see. He's confident that you know I know there's an answer to that question. I don't know what it is, but I'm confident there is one. Let's go find out. let's go look into this together. So have patience, be courageous, show confident humility. Now the last thing that come and see means is to come on an adventure. Come on an adventure. Have you ever had an experience that you couldn't describe to someone else using words? Maybe it was a, a mind-blowing trick play in a football game, and you just yelled to the other room, come in here, you got to see this. Right? You have no idea, it's like, it just blows your mind, you got to see this. Quick, before the replay is over, you've know, you got to see this. Or uh, or maybe it was a movie you saw or a restaurant you ate at or a place you visited. Recently someone was telling me about this amazing salad they had at a restaurant and their whole face just like, lit up. They're like, oh, you got to try this. It's so good. And uh, I haven't yet, but I intend on doing that. At his recommendation, right? Uh, so come and see. Uh, we we've, Sometimes we just don't have the words to say it. And we just... Say, hey, come, let's, let's look at this together. Um, you've got to experience it for yourself. And that's how Christianity is. It's something you've got to experience for yourself. It's, it's not something that you can always uh, explain with words, although words are necessary. And this is the third thing that come and see means. Come, come and see what an incredible adventure this is. When Jesus calls people to come and see, he's calling you into an adventure that is too wonderful. It's beyond your wildest imagination. To see this, look with me at verse 47. Jesus says of Nathanael, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. When Jesus says this, he's he's really just saying something about Nathanael's character. The word translated "no deceit" is a word that means pretty much he's a straight shooter. He tells it like it is. Uh, so he, he's talking about Nathaniel's character here. And Nathaniel asked Jesus, uh, "How do you know this? Uh, who, who told you about me?" Right is what he assumes that someone told him about him. And Jesus' response is basically, "You have no idea how well I know you. You think that's something? I saw you under the fig tree." now, this blows Nathanael away. And immediately, Nathanael confesses Jesus is the son of God, the very king of Israel. Now, this is an interesting thing because it doesn't quite make sense to us on the surface. And really, no one knows what this means. And it's easy to get hung up on trying to figure out what was Nathaniel doing under that fig tree. You know, we've got to solve this riddle. Uh, and that's the key to it all. Uh, but that's not, uh, that, that's missing the point. Uh, and by the way, this is just one more uh, piece of evidence. that this is actual eyewitness testimony because we should expect that in an eyewitness testimony that we'd come upon things that we just don't understand or make sense to us because we weren't there. We didn't know the, the situation. He's just telling us what happened, Right? Now back to the point of this. The point here is that whatever Nathaniel was doing, it was something so private that no human being could possibly have known it. And Nathaniel is confronted here with someone who doesn't just know his personality or his character, but who knows him completely inside and out. He's being swept off his feet into an adventure that he cannot even imagine. And then Jesus basically says to Nathaniel, if this blows your mind, buckle up, my friend, for the adventure of a lifetime is coming, because you're going to see heaven opened up and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And now to understand what this is all about, you need to know about this really interesting story from the life of Jacob, you find this in Genesis 28. Jacob's on the run from his angry brother Esau. Esau wants to kill him because he stole his birthright. Uh, lovely family dynamics there, right? With no dysfunction. Uh, he comes to a place to rest for the night, and he has this wild dream about a ladder that touched earth on the, on the bottom side, and on the other end, it touched heaven. And on this ladder were angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And Jacob sees this picture of how heaven touches earth, how a way can be opened to break out of our earthly reality and reach heaven. He has this dream. And now here's Jesus telling Nathaniel that that wasn't just a crazy dream that was the result of just eating too many tacos the night before. He says, No, that was a promise. That was a promise. I am the ladder. That ladder that, that Jacob was dreaming about, that's me. That's me. And if you come with with me, Nathaniel, I'll take you on an an adventure that breaks through this earthly reality and will bring you to the very throne of heaven. And this is the adventure that Jesus calls every one of us to. How do you sign up for that adventure? Where do I buy tickets for that? You might think... That maybe you can get on this adventure by, you know what, I just got to change the way I live and I've got to obey what the Bible says. I want that adventure. These are the things I got to do to get it. Or maybe by committing to study the Bible more seriously. That's how I get in. Or promising to tell more people about Jesus. Maybe that's how I get in. But thinking like this misses the point of what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't saying, I'm up here, guys. I'm up here. I'll let this ladder down to you, and all you have to do is climb up it. All right? I'm up here. Here's the ladder. Here's the way to get to me. Just climb up the ladder. Do your best. Make sure not to slip. There's a couple rungs that are a little rickety. Uh, Just do your best, and you can get up here. If you try really hard, you can make it. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not not saying that. Look at what Psalm 24 says. Verses 3 and 4 says, He says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Now the problem with thinking that we can climb this ladder and ascend to the Lord is that there's not a single person here or on earth who has clean hands and a pure heart. Only Jesus. Only Jesus fits this description. Now look closely at what Jesus says in verse 51. He doesn't say that the angels are ascending uh, to the Son of Man, but on the Son of Man. Jesus isn't saying, try your best. He's saying, I'm the ladder. Get on, and I'll take you there. Get on, and I'll take you there. I came down from heaven so that I could bring you there myself. And as Nathaniel and the other disciples, as they follow Jesus on this adventure that will unfold as we move throughout the rest of John's gospel, we're going to get a front row seat, of eyewitnesses to this testimony of how Jesus lived a perfect life, a life that we've all failed to live, and how Jesus would die a death on that cross that should have been ours, and how three days later he'd rise from the grave in victory over death itself. All this to pay for and to forgive our sins, to make us part of God's family. And if you believe this, if you trust all that Jesus has done for you, then he will bring you to God on the adventure of your lifetime. He will bring you there. All it takes is trust, putting your trust in Jesus who did it all for you. Trust Jesus to bring you to God on an adventure of a lifetime. The invitation is clear. Come and see. Come and be utterly astounded by his grace. Come and think. And come with others on an adventure beyond your wildest dreams. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you were not standing at the top of that ladder yelling down to us, come on guys, try harder. You can do it. No, you did it for us. Because without you, it's impossible. But with you, all things are possible. We thank you for your your shed blood and your broken body, which we remembered this morning at your table. We thank you, Jesus, that you did all that was necessary to forgive our sins, to make us part of your family. God, help us, burden us, Give us greater zeal and passion for inviting others to come and see Jesus too. This is too good not to share with others. Way better than a salad at some restaurant or a, uh, a play and a football game. Father, this is life changing. Help us to point others to Jesus that their lives may be changed and transformed as well as ours have. Father, it's so easy to forget, and sometimes our our zeal and our love for you wanes. Father, forgive us. Help us to come and see as well, to be reminded that our our hearts that perhaps have grown cold for you and for uh, reaching others for your kingdom. That they that our hearts may be fanned into a great flame as we remember the gospel as we remember uh, what jesus has done for us may that just embolden us uh, to live lives with such great purpose and vigor lord we thank you that you are worth it That you're worth giving every ounce of ourselves for because we have everything in you you've given us everything help us to give it all for you out of gratitude not in an effort to try our best, but out of gratitude because we've given it all already. I pray these things in Jesus' name.